yeah, so mm, I very much uh, am enriched by the voices and the, the minds of others. Mm. And this is this is the limitation of this situation. So I hope some of these points have uh, landed and helped to uh, moderate the way your jitta operates and uh, the way you see things in a skillful way. But of course, that's entirely yours. Um, I think one thing to to bear in mind when we talk about you know sacred cosmos, we get you know it's a like it's a very huge thing, uh, but it's actually immeasurable, which means it's not big and it's not small. It's um, authenticity and sacredness that counts. Sacred really means. It's totally true. Um, you can't buy it. You can't manipulate it. You can't have it. Um, you can enter it. It's always there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can enter into that spirit. You could say. I think this is uh, uh, really you know, useful to to bear in mind this quality of the sacred, because it is really. I think it's quite a missing piece in most of our lives. We have things that maybe cost a lot or, you know, have values added to them. Or we have ideals that we can't always live up to. Which we look at people who are not ideal. So idealism, however, it's handled wrongly, tends to make us critical of ourselves and others. Um, and as you can see, we, even with religion, some of these beautiful religious ideals, but you can see how much carnage is created through condemning people of, who didn't live up to the ideal or not living up to my ideals or our group. And um, you know, the righteousness that's created, that's not sacred. Mm, nothing sacred about that. Mm. Yeah. So it's something that you can't put a value, you can't put a number on, you can't you can't quantify it. You qualify it as it's the purity of the heart. That is that is that is manageable. And how far that reaches out, yeah, that's something we can't I can't say as a my personal position. In other words, does what I do change the world? Probably. I mean, if, if I, you know, if I did terrible things, it would probably change it. Uh, does it change the world? Probably to some degree. Um, how much? I don't know. Um, and when we consider, uh, you know, things of long-term effects, well, if we weren't doing this. You may think, well, you know, practice living in Michigan or Tennessee and my daily room and, yeah, okay, I get a bit calm now and then. There's crazy stuff happening outside the door. Well, maybe just think, perhaps there's less crazy stuff happening at this side of the door. That's a good start. (laughs) Maybe a few friends. And if you weren't doing this, what would it be like? 
So the ideals and the goals and the trajectories we keep quite soft focus on. That's not a matter of willpower. Uh, that's a that's a field effect, a field effect. Now this means that the energies that are um, okay, the energies that are authentic, uh, the pure energies. They call it suffusions and pervasions. You know, so rather than kind of bang, dramatic, do things and and uh, you know upward trajectory, there's a suffusions. It's got a soft quality, but notice that a cloud can move quite a long way and cover a lot. Mist can cover a whole forest. You know? suffusive quality it doesn't actually conflict with anything it permeates and it causes qualities to soften aggressiveness to soften demand to soften hmm? criticism to soften fear to soften grief to relax you know so it's it's a subtle but that's the way transformation occurs you know i don't think you sort of slice things off your ego you know, or put yourself through some kind of intense training program. This is the intense training program to learn how to to moderate the will and the energy. So it's not going backwards, not going stagnant, not jumping forwards, but finding the central ground, okay, in a stable place where the jitta will open its own rate, its own time. It's unstoppable. And you'll be touched by realizations and you'll be touched by poignancy. You'll be touched by ideas and you'll be suddenly they spring up. You, you'll see things rather differently. Give you, oh, I can do that. I can talk to her. I could stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that is a suffusion of wisdom. But the suffusive quality means actually we're guided by two (laughs) some principles. One is it's happy. It's happy. And this is the, it's interesting how, you know, people who take a quick glance at Buddha's teaching see the stuff about suffering and, uh, and the repugnant aspects of this and the distaste of that. And these are like the, um, the bitter medicines, if you like, to, to stop us running forward into where we're going to get hurt. And these are the, the no boundaries, the make us aware of the dangers that are there and uh, and the results too because by and large the unawakened being is short-term gains doesn't understand long-term results so you're taking advice from somebody who's manifesting peacefulness and well-being and happiness and warmth and they're saying no that's 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 dangerous 
Buddha teaches out of anukampa, a resonant sympathy, understanding what it's like to be a human, understanding the potentials, understanding the pitfalls, and saying this is the way, and you'll know it because it will give you a sense of happiness, which is not like happiness uh, associated with um, acquisition, egotism, selfishness, aggrandizement. It's a happiness associated with release, relief from the pressure, relief from the strain, relief from the burden, like taking your boot tight boots off your feet, and undoing a tight bound up package and you feel a sense of ah, happiness. <laughs> this is the Buddha taught, and in fact, he was criticized for it, saying, you know, he would, he would say, I teach pleasure. And for a, a, a gone forth recluse living in that, that time, that was kind of like, I thought it was supposed to be, you know, mortifying themselves and having austere lives and this kind of thing. He said, no, I, I teach pleasure. He said, I teach the pleasure of. Um, the pleasure of the chitta, not the pleasure that's that's the inflammation of the chitta when it gets inflamed with greed or inflamed with uh, acquisition or inflamed with domination. You know, people get pleasure out of power, uh, which is a very intense drug that people are addicted to. And it's a drug like wealth you can never get enough of it um, and it burns you out it corrodes the purity of the heart because in that there's no mutuality so when the chitta opens to mutuality which as I was saying earlier you know, the beginning of the path as Jen pointed out dana, sila that's generosity morality recognizing as you cultivate morality why is it that people don't do this why is it that most people can't keep the five or don't keep the five precepts even which is not so way out you know <laughs> or even buddhist you know? but so you look at that and think, well surely so it's because of the confusion of arising with sense contact. You know, we go back to that dana because it creates the happiness of mutuality. And uh, once you do it, because of course everybody does some generosity and they're really in a very sad state at all. Very sad state. Some kind of givingness occurs uh, and it, we are getting anything out of it well no no it's not about getting anything it's about changing the shape of your heart so you don't change the shape of your heart by getting things because they're extraneous to the heart you change the shape of the heart by changing the shape of the heart <laughs> one of the easiest ways to do that is is generosity or giving or sharing Okay, hospitality can help you. Uh huh. Yeah. 
that shape is a more vital, alive, less contracted, more room. Because with dana, there's no how much. Because that's not dana, that's a sale. <laughs> that's a demand. A dana is the jet, the movement. Now, where that dana is one act of helping somebody look off, looking after somebody's dog as an act of generosity, or whether it's donating a million dollars to a charity or something. The object is dependent on conditions. Dependent, you haven't got a million dollars, you can't donate it to anyone, however much you want to. So if we say, oh, that's that's not much dana, well, you're not talking about dana. (laughs) You're talking about, you know, something else. So that's why it's sacred, because it's just that gesture of the heart. And then how that manifests is up to conditions, you know. My dana, essentially, is which I, I enjoy, is offering teachings, offering advice, um, uh, as best I can, I offer companionship to people in the monastery. I, you know, I, I work here. Uh, I go out and dig compost. Because, you know, I haven't got many skills, really. I can um, turn the compost heap over, so I do that. I sweep up. And so I can do that. That's don't really ask me to. Uh, because this is a dana community. And it's volunteer. Because the volunteer heart, it's a gesture, isn't it? And that, that's what I'm talking about. The cosmos is not a quantity. It's a quality. So it's not a quantity like how much or how big, but a quality of how how pure and how constant. And when does that get blocked? Fear, feeling of inadequacy, useless, you know, or it doesn't matter, I don't care, so what? You know, those surely those are defilements. Don't they block something in you? Well, I can't do very much. Doesn't that doesn't that cramp you down? And isn't that what we call self-view? In a sense of contracting into a limitation based upon quantities and capacity. And so then noticing that, and you realize because of that mutuality that arises that you get a sense of well the best thing we can offer in one way is you need not fear me you can trust me isn't that even better you need not fear me i'm not going to manipulate you i'm not going to make a demand and you're not going to gossip about you behind your back i'm not going to cheat on you i'm not going to steal anything you tell me something i'm not going to spread it around that's called that's called morality. It means I care, and I realise the consequence of not caring, not respecting others, is dire. Yeah. 
for me and for everyone. And that's what one of the main reasons why the you know the social fabric gets broken up through not talking about rigid laws, about a sense of conscience and concern. Hiriotapa. It means I can say things, but I'm I'll tell you something, but it might not be true. I'll promise to do something, I might make it or I might not. Yeah. No, 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 that's that's not that's not true speech. So this is where we begin to get the sense, you know, of the mutuality and this is one way of contemplating what the when you see this word samma, like samma ditti, samma, the Buddhist language, Pali, samma ditti, samma sankapo, samma vajja, um, right view, mm, right approach, right attitude, right speech, and so forth. This translator's right. And people take issue with that because right, you know, it sounds again moralizing, but consider it more like um, complete takes all things into account. It takes self and other. It spans both. It's not just mine. It's it's completed. It's holistic, right? So the actions that I do are for my welfare, for your welfare, and for the welfare of how we meet. That's it's complete. See what I mean? And it's quite in um, it's quite interesting to, to when you learn how Pali is pronounced, samma. There's another word in Pali called samma, which is spelt with just one M, samma. And that means in tune. It's it's a pitch. It's, it's a reference in Indian music. And it's really got the pitch perfect. So I'm sure, well, I don't know, I'm sure of anything really, but it, the Buddha was a pretty, when you look at the teachings and the way he plays on words, and puns and allegories and metaphors, you think it's quite possible that he had this nuance of that when he said that to people who spoke this language, they would get the, the kind of double entendre of Samma. You know, it's actually pitch perfect. You're in tune with what's resonant in the context within which you're operating. If it's just you, you and one other, that's the cosmos. It's got no dimension. It could be you and one other. It could be just you and the body. It could be you and a thousand people. It could be you and your relatives who've passed away. You still honor and respect them. So it can extend in time. You can say, I'm, I'm living in the company of the values and virtues that have passed on to me. I, I bear those in mind. Right? So I'm never leaving my sacred space, because my ancestors, my my value bearers, I, I hold their truth and I sustain that. And I want to sustain, pass that on. You hold value. So to hold value is a sacred act. Holding value is a sacred act. And this is, you know, is where deep bonds occur. You know, that's what true society means. If you contemplate, you look at, say, you know, what we call it, 
earlier forms, tribal forms, um, pre-mechanistic, immense sense of carrying the values and virtues of my ancestors on. That's what I do. I'm the latest model, <laughs> latest formation in this ongoing transmission. Yeah, And so in monastic terms, that's pretty clear. Sometimes you go to like a Tibetan monastery and look on the wall, and they've got all paintings of all the teachers going back to the 5th century. <laughs> you know, they're all there. <laughs> like, that's my great, 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 great granddad. <laughs> they're all there. So we're living in that lineage. And, you know, and this is something that's extremely fractured for people. So, you know, this is part of our challenge and what Dharma centers are about and what Kalyanamita is about is we're forming relational entities that can carry, carry the values and the virtues forward. That's, that's your right action above all. That's your right view. And this sense of the samma, the holistic nature of experience, because this isn't just some nice little idea we cook up, is it? Because you did get born because of the people who came before you. You are living because of the planet around you. You are effectively in some sort of social web. It may be completely dysfunctional, but you're in it, right? And you do have a body that maybe isn't giving you so much pleasure or isn't comfortable, but you got it. So you are embedded in a multidimensional matrix. And now, you know, can that be purified? Or, or can the purity in that be revealed and the defilement and the, and the murk and the confusion dispelled? That's right. And it's just in this very body. Okay. That's where, that's where you start because that's your, that's your home base and that's where you can really testify without having to follow somebody else's view or opinion and the values that come from that they're not cooked up if we find that stability that stable place which embodiment can give you we're in a very very confusing turbulent cosmos we open up to a vast amount of sense input and information every day it's 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 tsunamis of stuff you know so you know know, every we're all it's traumatic really it's an overused word it's extremely jolting and you want to shut that off not exactly but can you withdraw to find your center that you can intimately engage with whereby there's a possibility of opening to some of that and um, you're clearing the karma. Now, you can say, well, how much can you deal with? There's all these crises and things going on. Well, okay, you, you pick up the sign. The sign is overwhelmed. Okay, let's deal with that. Mm, practice with that despair okay let's work with that so you pick up the thing that's closest to the heart and you start moving through these boundaries 
this is the path. And Sama is actually maintaining your balance within that, your stable place within that, where you can find a way of opening. Now, so it's not, you know, can you save the da 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 Well, right now, you need to work with the, the sign of fear and panic and work out your relationship to that. And if that's free, there's greater potentials can arise from that greater space. So then we say, look, dana, sila. And we see the danger of getting confused by this massive sensory overload. So we just come impotent and freaked out and flattened by it all, or excited and overstimulated by it all. That's the sign. Overwhelmed, fearful, angry. Find the place where you can return to the sign, the sacred, the Buddha, the stable, the knowingness, where you feel everything starts to center again, opening from there. And um, saying, well, then we start to realize renunciation. Simplicity, uncluttering is not, it's a pleasure. (laughs) Because if you're carrying values, and that's your main thing you want to carry, you want to carry as little little of the rest of it as possible. Then then you feel you're centered. And so, you know, we're saying this is what you cultivate before you start really tackling the big stuff of the Four Noble Truths. That's the graduated path. Practice with this. And then each one of those, as you come through, there'll be a sense of happiness, of relief, of, oh, I'm centered, I'm stable. Chitta feels healthy in its, in its presence. And that's what we have to, that's what we lead with. And then what comes from that qualities that arise from that. So even something like mindfulness, which we tend to there's a mood of attention, when the Buddha talked about it, he said, well, right view comes first. So this is the view. I'm sort of talking, trying to present the view using some words to stimulate and maybe to trigger and to ask you to look again, you know, just using some words. My words are not the view, but they may help you to recollect the view. Make an effort to to get that right, right view, the view of mutuality, the view of holisticness, the view of the sacred, the view of balance. The view of the, the value of every thought and action you do as being an intimate part of the cosmos that you have direct responsibility and authentic handling of. Okay? Make an effort. When you make that effort, it's this right view, then you can sustain mindfulness because your mindfulness is now 
set and established in the right way. It's not just the mode of attention, it's what that attention is motivated by, you could say. And this is when your view is straight, you should establish mindfulness. When your view is straight, you should establish mindfulness in three ways. Internally, externally, and as the two meet. Okay? Here, there, and as the two come together. So that's, it's a pretty big loop, isn't it? I like to think of mindfulness being a loop that wraps around phenomena. Yeah? And these phenomena are internal, external, and where the both meet. So we can be mindful of our dyad or our triad or my, you know, the creatures living around me. Because in there there's a balance. I'm actually here, responsive in this scenario. And then our opening, we find the suffusions. Now the suffusions that are most apparent for people are called the measureless states, apamano, otherwise known as the Brahma Bihara, the abidings of Brahma. So there we are, out with the cosmic forces again. <laughs> and you did you know where they were? <laughs> they were in your heart. <laughs> yeah. As the old Upanishads would say, Upanishadic teaching, God is within you. <laughs> and here they are, the divine abidings. <laughs> you know, they've got energies that really are not copyrighted to any particular individual. And these are the they are suffusions that start to emanate from the heart, the quality of being willing. And it's the sense of opening itself, which is metta. It's the sense of there is more than just this isolation. Yeah. And when an opening is a natural warming energy that moves. That's yeah. karuna. It meets the conflict, it meets the reactivity, it meets the dissonances. It doesn't recoil. It says, oh, let's stay with that and open it up. Let's listen to that a bit more deeply. Compassion, they translate it as. It's a very essential because there's plenty of edges out there. Let's stay with this and not react and listen deeply until in that listening we can come to a place of mutual ground, stability. And then actions will proceed from there. Get the ground first before you do the actions. Sometimes people want to do the actions, good intention people want to do the actions, they haven't actually got the ground yet. So you're doing this do-goody stuff. It's not mutual. Nice idea. It's not mutual. Mudita, the sense of the ability to discern, appreciate, acknowledge the beauty of that's apparent in the chitta, in yours, in mine. After this point, no ownership of this thing anyway. Appreciate the beauty that arises with every gesture, 
of kindness, goodwill, generosity, offering, service. You know, tune into it because if you appreciate it and linger in it, it will grow. The quality of Chitta's awareness is that which it settles on by itself. If it settles on it, it will make it grow. Just as if you settle on your negativity, <laughs> you make that grow. You settle on the appreciation that will grow by itself because the jitta has an energetic potential that suffuses and its quality and expands. And we begin to see just the miracle of being able to see and having a relatively healthy body. You appreciate. I try to make a practice every day of just even thinking through what is there to appreciate about today, you know. People gave alms food. It's not just, ah, oh, 12 o'clock time for the meal, go home, you know, peanuts, and some rice, you know, fine. No, it's just, I couldn't, they gave some food, bought some food. Dana was there. Appreciate, there's the value. And we sense that the most thing that we appreciate most is not the materiality, but here's the value that I appreciate is being manifested. Yeah. We're in a communion of giving and virtue and trust and friendship. Equanimity sounds kind of dull, but equanimity is a very generous expansion of the heart, which means, you know, you like me, that's good, you don't like me. Uh-huh. Um, can I learn from that? It's working, good, it's not working, mm, that's not so good, can I learn from that? Can I not panic, go into blaming, failure, collapsing, <laughs> stay emotionally present with the ups and downs of it all, stay with it. There's no system that does not break down. There is no plan that does not go according to plan. There's no person who doesn't make mistakes. There is no such thing as a perfect condition. So, me getting upset about it and flapping my arms around and shouting about it is not going to make it any better at all, is it? It's going to make it worse. I want to just sustain that equanimity. And as a, the likelihood is that that suffusion is that things totter and then they, oh, okay, let's, right, here we are. Move on. We got over that hump. We got over that dis disagreement. We got over that glitch because we didn't seize up into you, me, this, that, it should be, says on the sheet here, that, you know, we didn't do all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Can you carry that through? Any of this, you know? These are massive, massive expansions of the chitta. And this isn't like doing somebody a favour. It's actually because it makes you feel much more comfortable and secure and steady and you just suffer less. <laughs> in the conditioned world. <laughs> And the way it is <laughs> and so they say that and then with this is these are called doors to the deathless right this is a pretty powerful thing so there you you're not going to get rocked off the ground so then from that really grounded state heart is open and grounded and then there's going to be this witnessing it's like this now it's like this now and the cool the cool openness, stable openness, unconditioned, deathless, 
Buddha. This is what can come forth in this sacred domain. This is why it is sacred. And so one should not measure it in terms of time or place or worldly values or how much you get done or when you're good or better than he is or not as good as she is or you should be this or the other. This is all the obstacles. They're measuring it. Don't measure it, just enjoy it. Enjoy it. If you enjoy it, you'll love it. If you love it, you'll make more of it. If you make more of it, it's going to spread. That's for sure. That's our honour as people, as humans. It's our gratitude to have received teachings that encourage us for this. And it's the purpose of our, our lives. So... Mm. So as we finish this particular session, do you know? Do, well, my encouragement is just also every day take some time reflecting on what you've inherited. It's called sharing of the blessings. Those in the past have supported you. Anybody in the future. So you get this mind generally opens out. How can I share this, the values? How can I sustain the values and carry them forth in any direction? And just that's a kind of like a prayer. It really helps to take one out of the humdrum, everyday stuff. And to keep practice bright. So appreciate the occasion, you know. If there were no, you know, no duties, I wouldn't learn. If there were no conflicts, I wouldn't learn forgiveness. No failures, I wouldn't learn equanimity and loving kindness. So all of it, we welcome it. Make it grist for the mill. Mm. So I'll stop the talking at this point. And uh, hadn't been for you, I would have been able to talk. <laughs> so glad to have been in this communion and it may come again some form or another sometime or another uh, may we be well <laughs>